Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. No rainfall. Now, the Canaanite god, Baal, was about rain. He was the god of thunder and rain. And Asherah was the god of fertility. And so, in fact, what, what Ahab did is he entered into fully the worship of Canaan, the worship of, of Baal and Asherah, and he did what was absolutely disgusting to the Hebrews. And that is, not only did he build an image of Asherah, but he also constructed, in different parts of the land, Asherah poles. Now, it doesn't take much to think about what those might be. As a fertility rite. And this was supposed to be a horrible thing to the people, but they, well, they were going to go along to get along. They didn't make a stink over it. Life goes on, and we're going to be a tolerant people. We're going to just let it go. And certain things you're not to just let go according to our Lord. Elijah means the Lord is my God. (laughs) Elijah was named in that way because of the faithfulness of his parents, obviously. And and so he, he goes before them to represent that the faith that they are to have trucks no compromise. None of it. No compromise whatsoever. Because there is only one God, and that's the God. So Elijah goes in, and he says, (laughs) and you can see the, the image. I mean, I don't know what he was wearing as he went in. Probably some rough, horrible, smelly robe off of a sheep or something like that. And he probably had a scraggly beard. And he uh, probably just, he didn't look very good. But he goes in and he says, it won't rain until you hear from me. Well, they have their rain god, Baal. And they have their god of fertility, Asherah. Elijah leaves, he goes, he hides out, and he's in a place of of isolation. But what he represents is that the faith will not be mixed. The faith that we have in God is not mixable. You know, all all of human history is 
is, is full of people with great wisdom. And, and throughout the world, you can, you can gather up the wisdom that people have collected. And, and so much of it is so good. But there's only so far that human wisdom, wisdom can take us. There's a ceiling. And beyond that ceiling, God gives revelation. He breaks in from the outside. And the exclusive nature of our faith is because God has broken in from the outside, transcending human wisdom, as good as that wisdom can be. But the breaking in from the outside is a demonstration that there is one God, that he is that God, and that we're not to be engaged or involved with worshiping other gods. But it's how people are. Because the price is too high to go against the grain. So initially there's toleration. Now to tolerate, there has to be something that is rather objectionable. But we tolerate even though we object. So the initial phase is toleration. After a while, that caves and gives way to compromise. Kind of agreeing to, to live with it. And, and then in time, toleration, which gives rise to compromise, gives rise to capitulation, where we actually enter in. And that's what's gone on. The people have entered in. This stuff about God, well, we haven't heard from God, but we do know that rain is coming every year, so it must be that Baal is doing something right. Well, we haven't heard from God since Sinai. And so there's an erosion that takes place, and it's a result of all kinds of pressure, social pressures, etc. One of my favorite people when uh, when he was active and, and uh, on the speaking circuit was a man named Dennis Waitley. And Waitley used to say you either you change what you can, accept what you can't, or leave. Change what you can, accept what you can't, or leave. And I thought about that. And I'm, I'm okay with the change what you can't, accept what you can't, but I don't know about the leave part, except I was going down Vanderbilt Beach making a left turn on Goodlett Frank, and I was right next to a BMW, and just before I pulled up, I noticed California plates. <laughs> and I rolled the window down, I called up, I'm from California, why'd you leave? And he, he said, he pulled me over. We, we pulled over into the Pine Ridge neighborhood. And I got the same old story that I hear all the time. It's just gotten crazy there. We love it, but the economy, the taxes, and we don't get anything for our taxes in terms of the infrastructure, and on and on and on he went. And um, he said, and then the fires, he went on. <laughs> so he left. And I understand, but what about that you never give up? What about never quit? 
Never, never leave. So I don't know. There are times to leave, I suppose. But by and large, there are often times that we can't leave. This is where we are. Travis, the man in that film, as we came in today, was in a place where he couldn't leave. He could. He contemplated leaving. But then he couldn't. Couldn't leave. And so he worked on his attitude and changed his perspective so that he would take his affliction and do the best he could with that affliction and be a man of joy, living fully in in the life that he had been given. And yet those social pressures that are on us all to, to... tolerate or or compromise or to capitulate, they're constant. And and it's not about being true to ourselves. It's about being true to God. What What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The Heidelberg Catechism. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for God. We've got this one life to give, and we give it to God. And so we have to recognize the pressures that are on us. Now, I'm, I'm back on the hardwood with my kids. And there's one of my finest players right over there. Jack, Jackson McAdams and that magnificent family. Dad is one of those who ran into the World Trade Center while everyone else was running out. Now, I know that. And so we're standing for the national anthem yesterday before the game. And I looked down, I walked in with a kid, an African-American kid who was their best player, he's a phenomenal player, and he was standing there, head high, his hand on his heart. Then I looked down, my guys, and one of my kids had his head bowed, his hands behind his back. And I thought, at that moment, because I saw, I saw Kevin over there as I was standing here, and I thought, who wouldn't stand for that heroism? I told you about the Thursday night football on the day that I had buried Joe Adams. Pardon me. This stuff gets really hard for me to talk about. Joe Adams, who was, in a, who was a waste gunner in B-17s over Europe. Who wouldn't stand for Joe? And when I took Rich Pettingill or accompanied Rich Pettingill to honor flight in Washington, D.C., and we're at the World War II Memorial, and on the Pacific side, and and all of the veterans are standing there, and one of these men in a wheelchair in the front row pushes himself up and 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 starts singing the national anthem. Who wouldn't stand for that? Who wouldn't stand? 
And here's a kid, 15. He doesn't know his homework. He doesn't know his history. He doesn't know why we don't tolerate or compromise or cave. He doesn't know that he's on that hardwood because others have paid the price for him to be there. Reminded of a conversation I was privileged to have with John Wooden. And um, meeting him years after I had actually been on the floor against Bill Walton and the Bruins and all of that and chatted with Wooden and he told me he never coached a team, he always coached players. He let the others handle all the plays and everything else. He coached players. And we didn't talk about this, but I did understand that one summer, Bill Walton showed up after hanging out with some of the rich kids from Malibu and Pacific Palisades, and he shows up with a beard on. And Wooden brings him into his office, sits him down, and said, Bill, I want your beard off. Apparently, Bill Walton said, well, coach, it's a free country. He said, but this is not a free team. If you're going to play on this team, you will not have a beard. No compromise. Even the symbol at that time of what a beard meant, and I don't know what it meant to Bill Walton, but to John Wooden, he was maintaining a, a, a discipline about the nature of the game because the game is not about the game. The game is about life. The game is about giving of oneself, learning to honor and respect those who are on the floor with us. The game... It's about, it's about this. And so we are to, as God's children, who have been given a new identity in Christ, we're to stand for him. We're to do like Elijah did, and he paid a heavy price. He was isolated, living off and being fed by crows and drinking the water as it fed into the Jordan, alone and hot, until he got another word from God that it was okay for him to move, move on to a new place. There's a price to pay. But it's better than just going along. Better than just caving. But to stand on the identity that is ours in Christ. So in Honduras, there was a bunch of nuns serving in the dump of Tegucigalpa. Hundreds of people living in this dump. And they were under the pressures of this so-called pseudo-theology called liberation theology, which is actually a, an old theology that was a hybrid of Christianity and Marxism that came out of the 19th into the, and the early 20th century. And, and it's, a, it's a failed theology. But the leadership in the Catholic Church down in Central America, so many of them have, have been influenced by liberation theology. And the nuns 
went to the bishop. And the bishop talked about all the need for them to wage revolution and to stand up against the governing authorities and so on and so forth. And we all understand that in a, in a banana republic. And we all understand that aspect of things. But that gave nothing to those nuns as they were dealing with the needs of people day in and day out. They sat with the bishop. And the bishop knew that they were getting food. They were getting water. What did they need? And they had the youngest, tiniest little nun speak up. And she said, we need music. We need music. We need that which we must have in order to live this life more fully than is being defined for us by the outside. We need, we need music. We need to bring joy, happiness, and hope into that place that has no joy, that has no happiness, and that is bereft of hope. We need music. We need an attitude that enables us and empowers us when we can't leave, when we must live, to live life as fully as we can. As the story of Elijah unfolds, a man who never really seems to have it all come together for him. He honors God. And the world is changed. When we, with our lives, honor God, the world is changed. Will you bow with me? And dear Father, give us the strength, O oh Lord. It's so easy to go along, to get along, to lose our identity in the identity of the crowd or in the identity of the particular narrative that might be trafficked at a particular time. But give us that sense of, of high calling, the high calling to which we've been called, that we might live into it and thereby give you glory and honor and praise with our lives. We ask it in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.